Welcome to D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. Join us in our campaign and shenanigans as we explore the subterranean labyrinths, plunder hordes of treasure, battle legendary monsters. This podcast will be following our gaming group and the adventures of these characters, as well as a few guests from time to time. Join us as we start a new campaign and our journey to experience the best, and maybe the worst, in the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. It's Jim here. And I've got a great special guest for the day, Jeannie Kosh, an author that I've run into on quite a few events. I love and adore her. Kelly loves and adores her. She's an amazing person to meet. And hey, Jeannie, go ahead and tell us about yourself. I am Jeannie Koch. I am an author and I write the Alien Catherine Kitty Cat series for Dog Books. I also write the Necropolis Enforcement Style series, which is uh, urban fantasy paranormal. And I write the Alexander Outland series, which is space opera set in the far future. I write the Martian Alliance Chronicles, also a space opera set in the far future, not in the same universe, though, as the Alexander Outland series. I, in addition, I write standalones. I write novels, no, novellas, novelettes, and short stories. And I'm in a variety of anthologies writing both as Ginny Koch, Anita Emsall, and J.C. Koch, which is the name I write or under. So I do a lot of those things, and I am a wife and a mother and a full-time author. So that, that, that's me. That's awesome. And, and your projects are really, really great. So what has been your latest project, by the way? Um, well, I have Mech Age of Steel is the follow-up anthology to Kaiju Rising Age of Monsters. I was in Kaiju Rising um, with, uh, with my story, With Bright Shining Faces, uh, writing as J.C. Koch, which is the name I write horror under. And uh, Mech Age of Steel, I'm in as well. This is not necessarily a follow-along story, but it is now we're in the giant robots fighting all the things. Um, and my story in that is Jägermeister. So, um, and we do uh, Tuckerizations, which are, you are allowed to, you know, buy an opportunity to be a character in the story. Most people, when they do Tuckerizations, tend to kill their, their Tuckers. I uh, tend to make them main or supporting characters and keep them going. So, uh, I, I'm a great I'm a great Tucker purchase because that way you know you're really in the story. 
I have one left. I had two location tuckerizations in Jägermeister and four character tuckerizations, and we only have one character tuckerization left. So if you want to get in on my story, you need to zip right over. There are other people who are also doing tuckerizations. There are people that are doing reviews of your manuscript, all sorts of, you know, books and other goodies. So there's all sorts of prize levels. So it's really, really cool. Ragnarok, who is the publisher, does a wonderful job. Beautiful, beautiful books. And there are two different covers, hardcover cover art, which is a blue background, literally looks like it was written for my story. So I really like that. The trade paperback version, which is more of a pink background, doesn't, but it's also hugely cool. So we, they get wonderful art. And if we hit the right funding level, then every story gets illustrated. And Frankie B. Washington is the main artist and fabulous stuff. And he did a two-page spread for my story. So I absolutely want us to get to that because it is awesome. So go back, Mech Age of Steel. It's running for the next couple of weeks. And uh, you want in, trust me, we're over 50% to funding, but like I said, we really want to hit those stretch goals because everybody gets more, those of you getting the books in particular. So currently I have two new releases. Flush Life, uh, written by me as Ginny Koch, is available right now. It's Romantic Suspense, and it is a standalone. It's my first foray into um, something that does not have science fiction, paranormal, fantasy, or horror in it, though I tell a lie, there is a lot of paranormal in it. It's just not in the way that I think you would suspect based on my other paranormal. And that one, so that one's out right now. Also, Alt Sherlock Holmes, A-L-T period, Sherlock period Holmes, is out, and that is a novella anthology. I was in 221 Baker Street last year where we got to take Holmes and Watson and put them any place, anywhere, anytime, and anyhow. I made my homes a female, and I put them in present-day Los Angeles. And Alt-Sherlock Holmes pulls three novellas that are following the next adventures of our characters. So the characters I created, that Glenn Men created, and that Jimmy Wyman created. And you get basically the next adventures of each of our homes and Watsons. And that, that is also out now. And the uh, physical copies just became available so if you are not a not an e-reader, never fear. Both um, Ultra Homes and Flush Life are available in physical copies. And then coming May 3rd is Book 13 in my main series, which is the Alien slash Captain Kitty Cat series. And that is Camp Alien, and it will be out on the 13th. If you're caught up on the series, uh, you know, yeah, it'll be exciting for you starting immediately after book 12, um, the events of book 12, Alien in Chief, and if you're new to the series, I really recommend you start with the first, which is Touched by an Alien, because you will not follow what's going on, even though I do, you know, do set it up so you can know it's a lot better if you follow these characters from the start. And Jeannie, for us fans of your work that adore you and love you, where can we follow you online? What kind of social media can we find you at? I'm on a lot. I'm on Twitter at, at Ginny Koch, uh, G-I-N-I. K-O-C-H, with no space. There is another Ginny Koch. Uh, she's in Germany. She's really nice. She is Ginny Koch with an underscore between the names. And she's very sweet, so if you accidentally get her, she'll start talking about my book. She'll 
gently tell you that you did the wrong, Jenny. We actually follow each other, and it was a relief to me because I was on Twitter far longer than she was, and when she came on, you know, there's that worry of, oh, no, people are going to mix us up, and what if she's nasty or anything, but she's really awesome, so... Uh, if, if, even if you mess up, you'll meet another interesting Jenny. She likes a lot of the same things I do. She's very into space. She follows NASA and every astronaut out there. She's into uh, performance racing. She's into animals. So you could honestly really easily mix us up. But anytime she, she tosses things out in German, and that way you know it's not me. Yes. So in other uh, words, there are two Jeannie Conches out there, and both of them are super awesome. Yeah, that's that's how I like to look at it. I'm also on Facebook, um, both just as myself and at my fan page, Hairspray and Rock and Roll. Love people to follow me at both. And uh, I'm on Pinterest, and um, especially for people who are following uh, the books, my Pinterest pages are really cool. I have a see the characters page, so you can see who I am thinking of as the various characters, including when I say, okay, I've changed my mind, and now this actor or actress should play, play the role of things like that. And I don't, I don't update it. I don't update that as much as I'm on Facebook or Twitter because Pinterest is just an utter time suck. You, get, you think you're on it for 15 minutes, and you've been on it for five hours. And I'm on too much of a publication schedule to do that. So I literally kind of give myself a day every couple of months where this entire afternoon is just going to be dedicated to updating Pinterest and putting on the new covers and looking for more characters and things like that. And then I leave it alone uh, for the most part, other than um, a lot of times my daughter and a couple of my um, my friends will send me um, jokes, uh, joke pins, and I will always pin those because I'm big on the funny. <laughs> so... And then you can find me at my website, www.jennycotch.com. And I would swear I'm on other social media, but all of it's blanking. I guess I could just look up here. Uh, oh, I'm on Goodreads, and uh, follow me there, please, please, please. Always helps to have more people on that. Uh, and I think that's it. I'm on some other things, so I'm not very active. I might have I might have signed up and then just decided, eh, not for me too much work. So, uh those are the ones where I actually have an active presence. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Pinterest one, because I, I thought that was really interesting getting to go on there and see what your visualization of the characters is, you know, compared to what, just from reading, I've, I've picked up in my imagination for the characters. Well, you know, and it, it's interesting, because in some in some of what I've written, I, and, and most of that, by the way, is not yet published. It hasn't found, it hasn't found a publication home yet. I, and, and a lot of those were a little earlier in my writing, um, I literally had to have pictures. I was terrible with description. And I literally had to have the pictures of the actor or actress up so that I could describe them. And now, especially, this started really with the Alien series. Everybody just looked how they looked to me when I was writing it. So it's more finding an actor or an actress who I think could fit more than, for example, like right now it's like, okay, Emma Stone is Kitty. I don't see Kitty as Emma Stone. I think Emma Stone looks close enough to how I see Kitty and could play her. Versus um, there are some characters who are like, oh, yeah, that person, that person is Billy Zane, or that person is Ben Affleck. You know, those are the people that, that play that. Um, there are a couple, um, when you get farther in the Alien series, Malcolm Buchanan. Um, it's kind of an Easter egg it, well, it was. It's by now, you know, it was an Easter egg when he first showed up in book five. Now in book, 
you know, 13, not so much of an Easter egg, you figured it out by now. But Malcolm Buchanan, I literally decided that's my Nathan Fillion character. And so that's why he's named as he is after two different characters Fillion played. And that's absolutely how I see him. But um, most of the others, they come along or I think, oh my gosh, it's this guy. So uh, Algar is definitely Peter Dinklage, for example. But there are others that were not. The only person, though, really of the earlier characters who absolutely looked exactly like I envisioned the character before I knew who this actor is, is Matt Bomer, who I had already written the first four books in the Alien series before I ever saw him in White Collar. And I looked at him like, oh my God, it's Reader. Matt Bomer was born to play James Reader. He literally is Reader. It's like watching that my character anytime I see Bomer moving around. So... That's very cool. But that's one of the things that's fun about Pinterest. I think you may have just made a, a dozen more fans, at least, just by saying Nathan Fillion and Dinklage as two two characters that you've written, you know, characters based oh, on. <laughs> I'm a giant Dinklage fangirl, and I've been a fangirl of Dinklage way before it was cool. Uh, so this, this. Uh, the first time I saw him, I thought, that man is good looking. <laughs> I'm a simple creature. <laughs> so... Um, no, and he's a fabulous actor, so I love him. And, and, you know, basically, is there a geek out there that doesn't love Nathan Fillion? You, 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 you know? can't help but love Nathan Fillion. Pretty much, pretty much. So Even, even Nathan Fillion loves Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yes, he does, but he's, he's humble about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember um, he was one of the first celebrities I followed on Twitter, and he joined Twitter right about when I did. So I'd been on it a little bit longer, and I remember his first tweets were basically, I have no idea why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Allison Hannigan has demanded that I get on this, and I'm here, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I felt the same. <laughs> and then I remember when Castle got picked up, because he literally tweeted that he had never had this feeling before of being told the show was a success and was going to succeed. And he literally said, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I do now. Do I go? I, I, I'm going home to Canada mostly because I don't know what else to do, and I'm going to celebrate. I guess I'm, I, I've <laughs> never had this feeling before, so it, it was it was just very endearing. You know, it was just a very real thing, and um, he just is a cool guy. He is how awesome. do you not love that? How, how so. do you, I mean, come on, in Castle, the Halloween episode, yeah. Space Cowboy, didn't you do oh, like a few years ago? Come on. Oh, I know. I know that was great. <laughs> That was awesome. So yeah. So, um, so definitely. I and I will make sure in the show notes to put the links so that way folks can find you on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest. Awesome. And, uh, so now that we know where to find you online and get to, to share time with you because you you are an amazing person online and in person. Where can your fans find you in pub in a public event? Uh, I'm going starting book tour in May, so I will definitely be in San Diego at Mysterious Galaxy on May. 14th, Saturday, May, is it May 14th? No, sorry, Saturday, May 7th, I'm in San Diego at Mysterious Galaxy. It's Saturday, May 14th, I'm in Las Vegas at the Barnes & Noble in Henderson on Stephanie. Um, I'm also in Vegas for Stoker Con, which is a horror con. And um, I have other book tour stuff getting set up, but our daughter just, excuse me, just got married, so I'm kind of behind on knowing what's happening where. But you can find all of that information on my website on Datebook. 
And then the next uh, con- convention I'm going to be at is Phoenix Comic Con, uh, the first weekend of June here here in Phoenix, and it's a fabulous con. I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's probably my favorite because it's big, so that you get a lot of great cosplay, you got a lot of big guests, but it's not gigantic like San Diego Comic Con, which I also go to. Um, and at Phoenix Comic Con, uh, panel stuff is getting set up, but I run the evening erotica event, and that will be Friday night this year. Uh, and it's great. Make plans. Don't miss it. It's, uh, it's really worth your time. And it's running from 8 to 11 because we always run long, and I've finally gotten them to accept the fact that we're going to be three hours in the room, both for us, the people that are attending, and security. I get really feel really bad for the security guards who are standing there at the doorway for an hour <laughs> until we finish. So, you know, uh, lots of prizes. We always have lots of cool prizes. Uh, so that's Friday, um, June 3rd. And then I'm going to be doing, and I don't know the date yet, I'm going to be doing um, a steampunk uh, panel and I'm sure some other stuff too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be attending the Drinks with Authors event this year, and that's on Saturday the 4th. So lots of stuff. And then I will have a booth in Authors Alley where everybody needs to come see me. Um, and you'll find me basically because I always wear a pink parklet. Pink sparkly cowgirl hat. So hard to miss. <laughs> it's, it's adorable pink sparkly set. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And I'll, I'll definitely be joining you on Friday. We're, we're going to be there for all four days of the event. And Awesome. Which steampunk event is it? Because that's got me curious. Um, you know, it may already be up on the website. Um, I just have, like I said, I've just really backed from Los Angeles, my daughter's wedding, and, and my agent, my editor had come out, and we, I stayed extra days with them to have fun, you know. And do actually something in California besides <laughs> get rained. It rained on, on my daughter's wedding. And it was an outside wedding. Everybody rolled with it, so it was fine. But uh, but the sun came out, you know, as soon as the wedding stuff was over. As soon as that's gone, then, ooh, look, there's sun. Goodbye, everybody. Here's sunshine. So, so yeah, so I'm not caught up on all the work side of stuff. Um, but it, the steampunk uh, panel will be me. Beth Cato and Sharon Skinner. So Ooh. it should be a really, really good panel. Looking forward to that. And uh, then, like I said, I don't know what the rest of my panel schedule is, but I will be in Authors Alley, and I am there. Uh, I am in the exhibit hall at Phoenix Comic Con from when it opens to when it closes, unless I have panels. So I'm there. I'm very easily found there. And you can find my booth is always manned, even if I'm not there. So you can always come by, and someone on my team is there to help you and, you know, show you where I am, you know, show you all the books and all the other cool stuff we've got and so forth. Yes, and at every convention I've, seen, I've met you at, the, the group is such a great tight-knit group that, you know, they all back each other up really well. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's a little, it's, it's, it's the same at Phoenix Comic Con. It's not the same kind of booth as in Tucson Festival, but we're all together. Author's Alley, um, you really, we're kind of, you know, we're on, it's an exhibit hall, so we're spread out along each line, so you can't really cover for the person across the hall, um, you know, across the aisle all that much, because you have to run and leave your booth to do it, but we'll cover each other next to each other, and then I have, I literally have booths down, so people will always be there, including, um, I have uh, my first licensing agreement is with the ever-wonderful Museum of Robots. They do fabulous stuff. 
they take their their motif is that steampunk was a real thing, and they found all the relics. So Ooh. really cool, beautiful jewelry, some fabulous textiles like um, napkins and placemats and tote bags and all sorts of other wonderful things. And they're creating products based on me, not just on the Alien series, but on anything and everything I write. And we did a soft, we did the soft launch, um, the first soft launch really at Tucson Festival of Books this year, and the second soft launch, the softer, la- the less soft launch, uh, <laughs> I guess, is the Phoenix Comic Con. So we'll have um, at least three, possibly four or five products there, and then the official big launch is at San Diego Comic Con this year. I will definitely yeah. have to make sure to get plenty of pictures when we go there for Phoenix Comic Con. Yes. <laughs> yes, so it should be. It'll be very cool. Very excited about it. So, really looking forward to. It. And those of you who cosplay, uh, just doing a shout out for everyone on Authors Alley. Those and pretty much anybody working tables, but the authors in particular. We, if we're if we're in Authors Alley and we're working it, that's where we are. Um, you know, we're on there or we're on panels, so we don't get to see a lot of the con, and that's that holds true for most of the vendors and most of the booths. But for the authors in particular, we would love it if the cosplayers would come down the aisle. Um, and a lot of times they don't because, you know, they're carrying props and they're not really looking for anything else to carry that day. And so they, they give the, the author's alley a pass. And some years we're set up where we can see everybody anyway, and some years we're not. So please parade your gorgeous costumes down. We always love to run out. It's, it's our... It's the best way we get to do the con. We get to run out and take a picture with you or take a picture of you, and it, we get to see more of the con that way, even though we're not leave, leaving our table. So please, please, please bring the cosplayers down to Author's Alley. And I will make sure to definitely spread the word, especially with the steampunk crowd. Cause, oh, know, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. We no, love you I, guys. Oh, yeah. No, and, and we really do. It's really it's fun to see all the costumes, and we really enjoy it. And so many times we are not seeing anything. You know, someone's describing some fabulous ensemble that somebody undoubtedly spent an entire year making, and we we never even got a glimpse of it. You know, so somebody else gets to describe this fabulous cosplay, and we we've never even seen it. And one of the things that is is really cool about the cosplay at Phoenix Comic Con is I go every year to San Diego. I have a panel, I do signings and so forth. I will put Phoenix's cosplay up against San Diego's any day. I have seen some amazing cosplay, including a couple of years ago, someone was literally, he his costume was like, I don't know, seven, eight feet tall, and his same width, and he was like a walking, like, dragon monster thing. I, I don't even remember what this person was, but it was amazing. And, you know, so you can see fabulous cosplay at Phoenix and you can actually see it as opposed to, well, there's a great cosplayer and there's a throng of 3,000 people around them. You can actually get in and up, up, to, up close and personal with, with everybody. Yeah, I love at Phoenix Comic Con how you can just mingle with everybody and eventually you will run into everyone at the convention. It's one of those, it's a huge yes. convention, but it's small enough you can still find people, run into things and get to, get to see everybody. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, and I will definitely make sure to share the YouTube channel with you when I uh, get back from Phoenix Comic Con of what stuff I catch out there with the camera. Oh, yes, please. It because is, it's, it's really some good stuff. cosplay eye candy everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, there's some great stuff. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's probably my favorite one. 
Um, and then for East Coasters who might be listening, in October I will be uh, back east in Richmond, Virginia at the James River Writers uh, Conference, and I am one of their special guests. So I will be there uh, October 14th through 16th, and um, I'm teaching a master class on world building on the 14th, and then it's just a regular um, writers' conference stuff on the 15th and 16th. I'm really looking forward to it. So if you're East Coast or you're looking for a really great writers' conference to go to increase the skills and take it to the next level, hey, I'm going to be in Richmond, Virginia in October. James River Writers' Conference. Sounds awesome. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. They're very, very, very um, jotty on the spot. Things are really well organized, which I do a lot of cons, and that's not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> and these people are these people are running it on extra crispy, and I appreciate it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've talked to several of the people that are going to be going, and they all just seem really fun and really nice. So I'm excited, and I don't get to the East Coast much, so. Um, you know, come come one, come all, come from miles away, because I think this is my only East Coast appearance in 2016. Oh, wow. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely get there if you can. Yeah. Okay, so, Jeannie, my dear, here's where the really, really hard question comes up. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, how did you get your start in writing professionally? You know, that actually is a very hard question, because there's, not, you know, it's not like oh, I was discovered while sitting at the soda fountain at Schwann's. Um, I started writing because mm-hmm. the voices in my head finally became so loud and so obnoxious that I had to write them down or literally get no sleep, no work, nothing, just lose it. Um, and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and then I realized that I loved writing and that was what I wanted to do and then I really focused and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I went to writers conferences and I um, found places online to learn and everything else and then I finally um, I had a dream I had a dark short noirish kind of horror dream and I was going to write a short dark noirish kind of horror story and when I started writing the voice was not like any other voice I had been writing in at the time. And um, it was quirky and sarcastic. And I let it roll, because you can always edit. And I didn't even know if the character was male or female while I was writing. And I figured it out about uh, third or fourth page, it's, it's okay, it's a girl. And didn't know her name. Didn't know anybody's name. Didn't know what was going on. It was like this character, because it's uh, a first-person story, like the character was literally telling me the story and all I was doing was reporting it and um, then the hero breezed onto the scene charmed me and the heroine and basically we were off and to the point that I didn't know when the other characters ask our POV character her name I didn't know and she says Catherine Cat and before you ask yes my parents call me Kitty and I literally stopped typing, turned away from the computer screen and said, kitty, and said, kitty cat, seriously, kitty cat? And in my head, she says, yeah, my parents have a sense of humor, keep writing. <laughs> turned back, <laughs> the rest is in that sense history. I was at a writer's conference, which is why they're really important to go to, met uh, the woman that would become my agent, and, you know, told about the book, she was very excited. Um, you know, sent it to her. She was supposed to take six months to six weeks to read. She read it in two. 
uh, signed me instantly. She sent it to Daw, which was my number one publisher choice. And uh, they were supposed to take forever, and I had a two-book contract in six months. Which sounds so fast, doesn't it? Woo-hoo! Overnight sensation! (laughs) Um, I was writing for 10 to 12 years before I wrote Touched by an Alien. So I had sold... Actually, I didn't sell anything until after she'd signed me, and then I sold sold a short story, and that was my first um, short story sale, and that was me writing as Anita Ensal. And at that point in time, I had considered, you know, keeping my pen name secret, right? Mm -hmm. Not that I was writing anything I needed to keep them secret, but it seemed like the right thing to do. But the publisher who bought my short story was so excited because I was able to tell them I'd just gotten signed by an agent and, you know, I'd just gotten a two-book contract, right? They were so excited that they did an interview with me, right? And they were promoting me everywhere and the interview literally the first line gave my real name and both my pen names it was like okay never mind i'm out <laughs> the cover's blown <laughs> i'm out you know and I, I mean it was no big deal like i said I, it's like there's not there's no reason to hide there's nothing wrong it's just my voice changes i when i write as Ginny koch i sound distinctly different from how i write as anita ensal or Gemma chase or a.e stanton or jc Koch. so Ginny koch everyone expects humor and humor is hard to do all the time. I do it a lot, okay? I am science fiction's funny girl, and that's okay, and I do it a lot, but there are plenty of times I just don't want to be funny, which is one of the reasons why I love writing horror, because I don't have to be funny and the monster can win. So, um, though, J.C. Koch, I do sometimes have a very, there's a dark humor in there sometimes, but that's okay. Again, it's horror. So I really enjoy writing horror, um, because it's it's that it's that wonderful break from having to be hilarious that I really like. As G.J. Koch is sounds very close to Ginny Koch, though I actually think the Alexander Outland, the Alexander Outland Space Pirate, mm-hmm. I still think is the funniest thing I've ever written <laughs> in novel form. I I know I, I that was the most recent one I just re listened to because I got the audiobook for it too. Because uh-huh. when we were talking that last time about the uh, voice actor, and I'm like, oh my god, he was the perfect actor for the character. Isn't he wonderful? He, he, he is just when fabulous. He, when he drops his, his octave down and just drops right into the character, and you're like, oh my god, I so see him. He's a Captain Tightpants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he just does a great, great job. It's, it's it, you know, it's a blessing when you get a good one, <laughs> and he's great. So. So yeah, so uh, so lots of lots of funny, but it's nice not to write it all the time. So you know, how did I get my start writing the voices? How did I get my start in actually becoming a successful published author? I finally wrote enough that I got good, and then I got good, and I got better, and I got good enough to write a book that an agent would want to rep and a a top publisher would want to publish, and uh, you know thank God for my covers, and thank God for the blogosphere, because both of those things really, really help, Um, especially early early on, you really need that support, and it was great to to find that there were people out there enjoying the book. And now I'm contracted, I was going to say, now I'm contracted through book 17 in the series as well. And that is freaking awesome. Yeah. And and let's not Hopefully going to 20. 
And let's not forget probably many, many nights looking at email and not getting responses and probably fretting and going through the whole creative angle of did they like it, did they not like it, you know. You know, one of the things, I was a businesswoman before I was a creative, if you will. Um, and I, my, my first career was in marketing and advertising. And marketing, particularly direct marketing, which is my main focus, um, is built on rejection. And I learned very early on, you don't need everyone to like it. You just need enough to like it to be successful. Um, and this was brought to me by one of our top creatives, I, um, our head copywriter. We were talking about something. I was really disappointed because I was worried about results on the campaign. And he said, look, I'm going to ask you. I've asked, he goes, do you watch Cheers? And it was the number one show at the time. And I said, nah, you see, this didn't do much for me. We haven't watched in ages. I said, okay, I've asked everyone in our company and our connected print companies, which I can, like, you know, 50 people. And he said, no one watches Cheers. No one in our office, no one in the print company, no one, there's nobody I've talked to about a vendor status that watches Cheers. It's still the number one show. You don't need everybody. You just need enough. That's true. That's and true. it. So I knew I didn't need every agent in the world to love me. I just needed the one. I needed a good one, a top one, but I needed one who was going to love me. And I wanted someone who cared about my career, not just somebody who cared about that book and nothing else. Um, I knew I didn't need every publisher in the world to want my book. I just needed one. You know, so when you look at it that way, yes, rejection hurts. I'm not going to lie and say I danced a jig every time I got a rejection. But it's a part of this process. It's a part of every process. It's especially part of the creative um, arts processes, okay? You know, how many, um, how many auditions does somebody go on? I mean, George Clooney is a great example. You know, when people, the only way you make that man really angry is you tell, call him an overnight success. He worked for 20 years in thankless roles, um, you know, not doing anything, not going anywhere. And this is with familial connections. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I mean, Rosemary Clooney's his aunt, Miguel Ferraris, his cousin. They were already working, and he is doing nothing. He's working, but ugh, right? And yeah. then he finally gets ER, and he finally has that role that allows him to break out. And everybody acts like... Oh, George, you just had, all you had to do was sail into this role, and he wants to kill you because he toiled for 20 years. Yeah. That is exactly what it feels like. Um, you know, kudos to those lucky souls who wrote one book, sent it up, and instantly became a bestseller. We all hate you, but, <laughs> you know, good for you. Um, I didn't get that way. I got, the, I got the typical path. I got the George Clooney path, okay? I'm okay with the George Clooney path. You know, it's like, it's all right. I, I am in... I'm not the biggest author in the world by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. But my series is currently contracted through 17 books. In a day and age when people get dropped after six books that sell through because they aren't selling through enough. So um, I find that I can't really complain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's I massive. can, but yeah, yeah, but what's the point? You know, um, I have a publisher who is hugely supportive, wonderful to work with. I don't, you know, I have other smaller publishers that I really enjoy working with, um, all sorts of stuff. So it's not like I, I, I have nothing that I feel 
that I want to complain about. I get to go to great cons and meet fans and, and other authors and do all these kind of cool things. Yeah, this is a great, this is a great life, you, <laughs> you know? Are, you are living the dream. I am, and you know, you do have to remind yourself of that sometimes, because, you know, so it, it's very easy, oh, you know, you, that the, it's my first book, it took me a week to write, and I just got a million dollar contract, people, they make it really hard, <laughs> they make it really hard, and they don't even, they don't know that they're making it hard, okay, you know, like I said, more power to them, but it is very difficult when you've been toiling in the trenches to see somebody who, it appeared, took no effort to get where you want to be. But everybody's got their own story, and everybody's got their own challenges. Mm -hmm. And you never know what's really, what's the real story is of, of what somebody's been through or going through or how, how or what they needed, mm -hmm. you know. So you just have to go under, you, you have to do the I am not comparing myself game, and it's hard. It is. Humans by nature, I think, compare. I think we just do um, in, you know, we're, we strive, we attempt, we do this, we do that, right? you got to not do it. Definitely. And it's hard. You have to force yourself to not do that. And uh, if you can, those of those who succeed um, are a lot happier than those who don't. Oh, heck yeah. And, and so. that, and you have the perspective where you can look back and see where you've been to where you yes. are now, as opposed to, you know, walking down the street, as opposed to you know, climbing to the tops of, you know, Mount Mordor and dropping in the ring, you know, you right. know what you've experienced. Yeah, and even after doing that, all the hobbits really want to do is get home. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to where we came from, because where we came from is a lot nicer. Yep, because, you know, at that point you have perspective of, hey, you really had it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I miss the Shire, I want to go home. The world is <laughs> a know. big bad place and it wants to kill you. Right, yeah. I want to go to the safe place, not, not, not be in the yard. You know, I mean, that's one of the things with writing, is that I, a lot of times fans will react and go, oh, I want to see Kitty doing more of this, or I want to see Kitty doing more of that. And what they want to see is always very mundane. I want to see her with her child. I want to see them having a quiet day. There is nothing interesting about a quiet day. I have had a quiet day today because I'm still really tired, okay? <laughs> the most exciting thing I have done all day is talk to you. This is not story-worthy, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it is from the podcast perspective, but from something you were going to sit down and read and escape into for a few hours, this is not the day I need to tell you about. It would be just a quick brief footnote of, hey, spend some time talking with Jim, you know? I would have just skipped, I did a podcast, I did this, I did that, now we're just action. So the things that people are telling me they want to see, I know instinctively without asking, would be boring as hell. Yeah. Okay? Nobody wants, what you do with your characters, and you'll hear this from uh, just authors across every genre, <coughs> what you're doing with your characters is you're putting them in the worst day they've ever had. And getting them through it in some way, shape, or form. That's absolutely right. <laughs> worst day they've ever had. And in in the um, in the series, a lot of people, you know, ask me what what character drives them. It's never the character they think it is. Uh, the characters who drive my series are not the ones having the most action necessarily. Um, like my my hero, Jeff Martini, he is not begging me to write another story. He almost always dies in every story. I mean, he escapes by 
you know, oh my gosh, some if by miracle, by a miracle, I'm not dead. He's he's good. We could stop now. You know, <laughs> it's other characters who aren't having it as good at the end who want things to keep going. So you know, if you're looking at it from the character's perspective, stop hurting me. Okay, <laughs> but it's only interesting because I get to do that. Yeah. You know, again, the boring. Oh, we had nothing bad going on and everything's fine. Who wants to read about that? that that's that's boring. Yeah, that's what happens before the book or after the book. <laughs> yes, yes, the boring dull days. We don't talk about those. Why <coughs> would we? Okay, there's nothing to talk about in that. Blah, 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 mundane, blah, blah, mundane is not <laughs> what you write a series about, especially a series that's supposed to be filled with action. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. You know, when someone says, oh, I want to see more of this, because I know they don't really. <laughs> they think they do, <laughs> but they don't. Yeah, really don't. It, it won't be nearly as interesting as you think it'll be. <laughs> It, it, it just goes to show that the fan base, you know, it's it's a, they really hope the characters get one good day to help give some kind of reference to all the hell that they have to, to, to trod through. Well, yeah, but they do get those days. Yep. You know, they're referenced, they're mentioned. Sometimes, you know, they have to work for those days and get them all the time. And you then, know, they get plenty of days. I have done, I've done big jumps in between books in terms of time for the characters. I'm on a two-book-a-year contract with DOS. It's not exactly like I can, you know, do that, that same break, if you will, but uh, in real time. But in, in book time, um, sometimes the, the next book starts literally the day after the prior book, and sometimes I've jumped, I jumped one. It's the only one I've done it this long, but I jumped one a year and a half. I could. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I set it up so that I could because I needed the characters to be differently aged for a reason. Okay? And it was just easier, and I didn't want to do some meaningless thing here and some only mediocre thing there. So I jumped them. It doesn't matter because nothing happened in that year and a half. Yeah, so basically you know I mean? Nothing, it was a good, calm time. That it was, it was good, a great it was time. Years, you know? Mm-hmm. They were wary and on, on alert, but nothing went down. So, you know, the characters got a year and a half break, and just because they're now going to go through, you know, like um, two, three books without, three, four, maybe five, six, yeah, without much of one in between books, that's not my problem. <laughs> but, they had a big break, and they should be grateful. But that's the beauty too with, with when it comes to writing books just like when you run role playing games and things like that all of a sudden the way time can warp this book could have happened in two weeks as opposed yes. to a previous book it goes over a three year story arc you know right the, the whole right. time displacement deal of what felt like you know an entire year was actually only 48 hours you know right well most honestly most of my books are like that I, I, li- I write in um, a thriller style which and a thriller style means you have uh, short chapters with cliffhanger endings, basically, and you everything is going to happen within the span of three days to a week. Uh, that's a thriller style. Think about any thriller. Three mm-hmm. Days of the Condor is a great example. Okay, it, that movie happens over three days. Um, and uh, and others, any thriller, it's happening in about two days. 
because it's a state of the world stuff and things ha happen rapidly and your people they don't have a lot of time it's not a um lord of the rings thing where this is happening over you know ages yeah um i don't really write in that style even my epic <laughs> fantasy moves faster so um i just that's the style that works really well for me um and because i write i'm call i'm i'm what's considered a fast writer in other words, I make you read fast. Because mm -hmm, um, you definitely want to get to the next chapter and keep going. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, honestly, all of that is learned. I mean, that's all craft. You have to learn the craft. Um, and so I do that. So things are happening in very rapid succession for my characters. And then they'll get a little bit of cool, time, cool down time or not, depending on the book. You know, depending on what comes next. Uh, what I have planned coming in the next book determines where they're going. When we contracted um, books 16 and 17, I went over things with my editor, which is I'm hoping we get to 20, and I have all of those books mapped out as much as I map, which is not very much, but she <laughs> two lines, a book, a paragraph, that's the map. But she understands how my brain works, so it's okay. But um, I moved some titles around, because I realized I, had, I hadn't given myself enough leeway on certain things and I was going to need more. And so we moved some things around to work better for the characters so I get a better overall story flow for what I want to do. So that's nice to be able to do that. And I, uh, much of that is because I'm with Daw, which is part of Penguin Random House. But they're, they're, um, still consider they're an imprint and they're still considered a small in that sense, a traditional small press, and they're just awesome. You know, I mean, I can call my editor up literally at any time of day or night if I have an issue. Um, we'll go over stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I, I like it. it. It's really a great place to be a creative person. So that I love awesome. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's awesome just to know that the story has that big of a roadmap out there set for it that you... You know, it's already destined to go here, 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 but you're not pigeonholed into what you what you specifically want to do yet. Right. Well, I mean, I know now when we when I um, book ten, Universal Alien is where I really expand for the readers get to find out. Oh, it's not what you thought. It's gigantically bigger. Um, but I've known that, and I worked towards that book and now I'm working towards book 20 even though that's not contracted yet but when I started book 10 wasn't contracted either I'm now working towards book 20 because I know what I want to have happen and the other books have to set up and line up properly for that so that's one of the reasons why I got a little more uh, I got I have some leeway I've got a, a book that it's like literally I don't know what will happen here this will be the book where I tie up a bunch of threads that will be open and open new ones. Yeah. That's literally one of the books. When I get closer to it, I will know exactly <laughs> what it's going to be. When the characters right finally figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and um, with, with Book 13, Camp Alien, that's coming out, I realized, and I was already late <laughs> when I realized this. Well, actually, let me back up. I was finishing book seven, Alien in the House, when I realized that something I needed to happen in Alien Collective, 
which at that time was supposed to be book eight, could not happen um, because of the characters' ages. And I called my editor. It was like midnight her time because I was panicked. And I, we talked it out, and anything we tried to do to fix it made it worse. Oh. It's like any explanation we could give made, it, made the problem bigger, not smaller. And so I said, I think I need a book in between here. And she says, well, do you have enough content? And I start rattling off everything that's going to be in Alien Research. And she's like, oh, my God. I said, I'll call it Alien Research. I'm like, oh, my God, this is why I'm having a problem, because my subconscious knows we need this other book. And she's like, okay, well, do you have enough for Alien Collective? I'm like, oh, yes. And I rattle off everything now that we'll move into Collective, right? So, so we inserted Alien Research in between Alien in the House and Alien Collective, which, thank God. Right? Okay. Well, I realized while I'm in the middle of writing Camp Alien that I needed to have done the same thing. The problem was the book I needed to insert was the first half of Camp Alien, and it's too late. So Camp oh. Alien's really long, and it's two books in one for all you fans <laughs> out there. Um, because I literally realized, holy crap, I've got two books in here, and I can't split them. You wanted to do justice, it. yeah. Well, no. It was the title. It, the title should have been different for the first half of the book. And I couldn't switch it. It's not like I could say, okay, this first half, I'm going to give it the title it needs, and it's now going to become the next book. Could not do that. Um, the title was already sold. The cover art was already being done. Um, sales had already sold into bookstores. It has to go as that name. And I couldn't split it up and keep the name. So it just got to be really long. But my fans like that, thank God. So, you know. So, but I wanted to avoid that in the future, which was why we have what I'm calling the catch-all. We have the catch-all book coming, and I know that I will have stuff like that. By, you know, four or five books on, I'm going to have this area where I need to really regroup it and get everybody set and closed all these various threads I have opened and defeat whatever foe isn't defeated, you know, and and now I can do it without panicking in the midst of all of this that, oh, crap, I need this extra book. We just literally put it in there. <laughs> it's there. Waiting for whatever it needs to be. So, um, so I'm excited. It's, it's fun to be at that stage in my career where I can do that. See, you cannot do this on your first two books. Okay. That does not happen in the early stages. Once you're past about book, you know, six or seven, they're a little more understanding, but not in the early stages. So. And you still have an awesome publisher, but you know. Oh, I do. Dawes Fabio. Even Dawes they, they could say, nope, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they always have the right to say, nope, not interested, cannot, cannot, can't, no, can do. You figure out a way. But my editor has always been fabulous, and she's literally never told me no. Oh, but no one can so. say no to you. I mean, come on, Jean. <laughs> I, 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 I need you to wait, record that. I need to send that to my husband constantly on a constant feed. No one should ever say no to her. <laughs> wait, wait, I'll, I'll send you the ringtone saying, Jeannie is always <laughs> right. You cannot say no to Jeannie. <laughs> That's right. I love that. I love that. My husband will ignore it, but it's worth a try. <laughs> So yeah, so that's a really, really long answer about how I got into publishing. <laughs> but you know, it, it, you, you've been there, you, you've fought through the trenches, I mean, and that's the kind of thing anyone that wants to get into writing, they have to know that that kind of hurdle is there that they have to get through. 
Oh, so and, many hurdles. I'm still in the trenches. Yeah. And I just, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm like in a, in a, in a slightly different trench, but I'm still in the trenches. Oh yeah, and and heck, you you are a wellspring of information and knowledge. I mean, you've been there, you've True. done that. You're constantly True. learning and getting better. I mean, you're constantly working on your craft. I mean, yeah, and I mean, and that is one of the reasons why I go to cons and why I'm invited. Con, you know, why James River Writers uh, Conference is bringing me out, and so forth, because I do know this stuff. I do know how to teach it, um, and presumably be inspiring. Um, but more to the point, I mean, I, I stopped worrying about inspiring people so much as teaching them reality because there are a lot of people that go into anything, anything, not just, um, you know, not just publishing, but a lot of people will go into anything thinking that it's no big deal and whatever it is they want is going to succeed immediately and the world owes them because they're uber super special. You're no more of a special snowflake than anybody else. Okay, you're an individual just like everybody else. There's nothing exciting or different or wunderbar-ish more about you than anybody else. The people who succeed work harder. That's it. You know, they work harder at whatever it is. They focus more attention on whatever it is. Uh, they turn off the television more than you do, literally. I, I, everybody tells me they have no time, and I just say turn off the TV. The looks of horror <laughs> in people's faces is always funny. Uh, my assistant, Joseph, who you know, um, goes with me to most of these things. And the first few times I would be teaching anything that related to time management, okay, um, I'd say, <laughs> watch their faces. And he would like be like, it's like every single one. It didn't matter age. It didn't matter race. It didn't matter sex. Nothing. You say turn off the television and they all look horrified. And he said, and you're right. I see them all starting to form excuses mm-hmm. while you are saying, and now you're all forming excuses and I don't want to hear them. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, you know, and it's like you don't have to turn off the TV. You just do if you actually want to succeed. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's one thing I love about podcasting is I can have them in my ears and work at the same time. Yes. So that way you can yes. multitask. Well, you can't. I you cannot write. No, no, you cannot. Else. I will I admit can, that. I can completely. do that with music. <laughs> I can do it with music. In fact, I have to have music going. But I cannot do that with anything else. If someone's talking, I will start taking dictation. I won't. <laughs> you know, I won't be writing. So I actually limit my podcasts a lot because even while they're interesting, it's like, okay, well, there went an hour, you know, that I couldn't do anything other than listen or watch, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a video cast versus a podcast. So I have to be very picky about those, too. I actually have to be very picky about everything. Two books a year for one publisher and tons of other stuff for tons of other publishers means I don't have a lot of free time. So... You know, I have to make the most of what I've got. Yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> and, and your plate is always full. I mean, it is. Uh, but I'm not complaining because an author without contracts is an author who's not eating. <laughs> you know, or or deadline. I'll add in deadlines because for those who are only self-published, the only deadlines you have are your own. I'm both. I'm with traditional big, traditional small, and self-published. So I cover all the gamuts because it's really smart to not have all your eggs in one basket. 
but self-publishing, you've got to get it out there because there's no one to tell you you need to get it out there. Yeah. It's really all on you, which can be very difficult and very challenging. And it's really easy to say manana, manana. Yeah. Um, no, you must do yeah. it. You must do it today. Do it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so like on the steampunk panel, we'll be talking about how craft type stuff, how you write steampunk. You know, how, how do you make it different? How do you make it yours? Why would you do it? You know, that kind of thing. So, as an example, I would talk about what we're talking about other panels, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> and evening, yes. And evening erotica is just fun. Um, uh, in that, I'll spend about, oh, five minutes talking about what erotica is or isn't. And then we'll roll into the euphemism game, which <laughs> we play every year. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. We play it every year, and this year I change it. I try to change it up every year, so nobody you know nobody knows what they should be coming in with. I'm just gonna say my only my only thing for those who have been there before is this year we're doing lightning rounds. So yeah, and I am I am loaded with prizes again. <laughs> um, so y'all really want to show up because it's last year I think everybody got at least one prize. And we have a lot of people that show up. So, um, and if the bead boys are listening, we want you guys back. We love you. <laughs> um, so, and we never, literally, even Veronica, we literally never know what's going to happen. So, um, and I am a complete and utter loose cannon. So <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen. And a lot of it is based on who's in the audience. So, fun people. Oh, we want cosplayers, too, because we make you show off your costume somewhere along the line. Hey, that's the so. whole point of cosplay is to show off what you can do, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, why, why, why in the world else are you putting all this effort into this awesome costume if you don't want anybody to see it? Yeah. It's like that, that meme that goes around me. Yeah, I could have bought that for $7, but instead I made it for 97 you know. Yeah, exactly, it's, it's and, and, and hundred hours of and a hundred hours of my time. <laughs> yeah, so so no, we definitely we love our cosplayers and we want them to come. So, and um, I used to do these with officially sanctioned uh, co-panelists. Now it's just I sometimes I will have a surprise guest. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who my surprise guest is this year. I, I'm definitely so. going to try to wrangle as many of the, of the uh, Tucson and Arizona steampunk societies as I can to join me there. It'll oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. <laughs> that is that is great. So um, I'm really excited. Like I said, I love Phoenix Comic Con, and I love doing the evening erotica event. It, 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 it is probably the most fun I will have at um, any one event at any one con every year. So It is going to be awesome. And it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And thank you in advance for having gifts for everyone because that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I, 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 again, I don't know how the con always provides something for us, which is really cool. Um, I and other friends we find things, and um, and other people will send me stuff for the event. So um, this year I know I have a lot of prizes, and I'm hoping I have more coming. So I never know how much I'm going to have until literally I'm there. But I always have a lot. It will be awesome. Yes. It, stories will tons. be told. Oh, <laughs> uh, stories will be told right in there. Tales <laughs> will be told right in there. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So it's fun. So come one, come all. 
so uh, Jeannie, thank you again for coming on the show. I mean, you are a wellspring of, of wisdom, genius, brilliance, magnificence, <laughs> amazingness. Oh, uh, go on. <laughs> no, no, really, go on. Go on. Continue. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so humble I just like running the yap. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's helpful if you have something to say. Oh, if you always. like talking. <laughs> so, uh, is there any events or any shout outs that you'd like to do for anything going on uh, just that we haven't brought up already? Um, well, speaking of podcasts, I have a variety that I like. They're both pod and video, and I'm hoping I don't forget all of them. Um, if one be, is, you can always email, you know, Facebook me or email me, and I can always put them on the show notes. Okay, great. Yeah, one of them is More Geek Than Gay. One is The Re- Renaissance Geek. One is Dumbbells and Dragons. That's a good one. <laughs> yes, two, that's run by my son-in-law. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. It is a yes. tiny world. That's why it's a, it's a small, <laughs> incestuous world. Uh, uh, two Gay Geeks. Oh, my gosh. Um, drinking with Jason. And I cannot forget. Oh, Geektitude. Geektitude. They were so much fun. And Geektitude, speaking of which, Geektitude will be live podcasting from the Mysterious Galaxy uh, birthday bash on, bash on May 7th, where I will be signing alien, Camp Alien. Ooh. So, yeah. So they are SoCal, and so they will be there. So that's going to be a really cool, cool one. Um, and I think those are my love, if you will. And of course you will. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, the small. And everyone's like, "How? Why do you love them?" Oh, they talk about me. That's why. <laughs> they like me. I Aww. like them back. You know? <laughs> More incestuousness, nepotism, nepotism. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. But uh, but honestly, that's every business. It's who you know. Yeah. Who you know that gets on your radar. You know. Um, and then stays on your radar because, hey, I liked what you did. Hey, I liked what you did. Let's talk about what we both like. Hey, you know? that's, that's half of why I got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so the, it's a lot of fun. Here's so. what we're passionate about, and let's share it because, well, if I think it's awesome, you might think it's awesome, and hey, awesome cohabitates. Exactly, exactly. So that's uh, very cool. And each one of them has a kind of a different focus which is really neat. So no one's talking about exactly the same things. So we're all talking about fandom-like things in some way, shape, or form. So that's also really cool because, you know, you could listen to More Geeks Than Gay, The Renaissance Geek, Two Gay Geeks, um, Drinking with Jason, your podcast, Geektitude, and the other one I just forgot. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, and you're not going to hear the same stuff. You're not even going to hear that. If I was on every cast and you listen to me, let's say I was on every cast one day a week, and you listen to me because of who I'm talking to, I will be talking about different things with each one. Yeah. So yeah. even if they all had the same guest, the podcast is still different, which is why it's fun to do. Yeah, oh, yeah, because, you know, it d- depends on the day, your mood, what's going on around you, you know. The questions the person running the cast asks are really what tend to drive you, and mm-hmm. every one of you guys ask something different. See, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, everybody's got a different focus, um, and, uh, 
you know, it's just there's lots of fun, cool things out there. Everybody's a different person, so everybody looks at them a little differently, and therefore they ask you a question, or they ask you the same question but in a different way, mm-hmm. and everybody gets a different answer, therefore, or a similar answer that, you know, <laughs> going off on different tangents. Mm-hmm. So I think they're a lot of fun. Okay, and, and like I said, I love to run the app. So. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an eager podcast guest. Oh my God, I get to talk? Yes. Whee! You know you're always welcome back. I mean, come on. Oh, well, anytime you ask. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have one question that just popped into my head because I know you and I have talked about it, you know, many, many months mm-hmm. ago. What is mm-hmm. your favorite role-playing game? Oh, um, realistically, it's probably Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I married the best DM I ever played with. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, that was was really one of his selling points. (laughs) Um, I DM as well, but um, I just like how he does it. Um, Yeah, I I would say it's just, you know, your classic D&D. Though one of the nice things about writing is that it's all role-play. Yeah, exactly. In that sense. You know, I I, I love, you know, the people, they're, they're, they're legion. Oh, that character is just to marry Sue. That's only applies to fan fiction where characters are already created. If you have created characters, they're all you. Yeah. yeah. They come out of your head. And, uh, and mostly only female characters get this. And I've gotten it, obviously, from, with Kitty. She's just to marry Sue. No. No, she's the star. Yeah. She's the heroine. That doesn't make her a Mary Sue. I created this. She is the star. If you write fan fiction and shove a character of yours into my story and then make him or her somehow the star, that's a Mary Sue because it ain't mine. Yeah. Okay? I mean, it's Harry Potter is not a Harry Sue. He's the star. <laughs> okay? Bella isn't a Mary Sue. She's the star. Okay? Say what you will about whatever anybody's writing is, but... If these people have created something that is new and is theirs, whoever they say is the star is the star. They've poured their soul They're, into it. Yeah, well, I don't even care about that. I'm just saying that if whoever we say is the star doesn't mean we think we're that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm all of them. We're all, all of them. They mm-hmm. come out of our heads. And what everybody should be really worried about is I have way more relatability as a villain. <laughs> okay. I like me, my villains, okay? And my villains are evil and nasty, and no one is afraid of that, and they should be. <laughs> Look at the villains. How nasty are some of these villains? Mm-hmm. They should be really afraid of me and J.K. Rowling. We have some nasty Oh, villains. J.K., yeah. Okay, we have some nasty-ass villains. Stephanie Meyer is a much nicer person. Her villains aren't nearly as nasty. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not nasty, but they're way nicer than the Death Eaters. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're way nicer than almost any, than the mastermind, okay, mm-hmm. that I've created. Okay, way nicer. So, you know, look at how, look at the villain someone has and stop pissing us off. <laughs> you know, because I got to tell you, um, I got a lot of relatability in my villains. They're all us. So it just it's infuriating when you hear that Mary Sue statement because no one understands what it actually means. They're using it to say, I'm jealous of the character. I didn't like the character. Or in most cases, I think I write better than this author, so I'm going to insult them. Yeah. It, 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 that it's is basically a percent. When I see someone say Mary Sue, I'm like, oh, you're an aspiring author and you're jealous. Okay, moving on. 
whether it's mine or anybody else's. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, it's a healthier mindset to have because <laughs> it, all art is open to criticism. Mm-hmm. You're going to get criticized, yeah. and you have to learn how to shake it off. You have to be Taylor Swift. And, <laughs> uh, and literally, you have to be Tay-Tay. And there are days when I have to play that song, like, on repeat. Usually not, but there are times. <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah. But uh, but all of that's fun. All of it, uh, it's fun to get to uh, not only hang out with all these imaginary people in my mind, that in some ways are more real to us than the real people mm-hmm. and also share them with everybody else because then they become real to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And then we're talking about these people and I'm not insane, I'm creative. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's a lot better to be an author than to be a crazy person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all crazy here. We're all mad here. But, uh, but there is a difference. So, yeah. So anyway, we were trying to end, and then you asked a question, and I don't even know if I answered it. Oh, uh, actually, yes, you did. Me. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh right, okay, okay, role play. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I remember. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. No, I like D and D. I like any kind of role play, really. I just don't have a lot of time to play anymore, any more than I have time to do anything else other than write. True. Um. So, but I I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. The biggest downside, my husband actually got really smart and made up characters and so that you know because when when you're if you're doing it right okay you have days worth of character creation and that's awesome when you're in college and you have nothing but school going on oh that's your social yeah you know i'm spending all weekend with the dudes playing D, which i did a <laughs> lot i was a little sister at a frat we had a big D group and we every weekend we were like all all playing D and D, right? So it didn't matter that the first weekend we spent on character creation, we had an entire school year, right? Yeah. But now as an adult <laughs> I do not have a month of character creation before we start playing because oh we only have X amount of time. Right? So my husband and this is well before I even started writing, but he got tired of the character creation stuff. It was just, you know, oh, my God, I'm wasting all this time. I have these great, great adventures planned, and all these fools are doing is arguing about, you know, their strength and <laughs> dexterity, and <laughs> I'm sick of it because I want to do something. So he created characters in various classes and gave them various positive and negative attributes, and it's great. It is awesome. pick up and go, you know. You just pick up and go, and then you're playing your character, and boom, womp, there it is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you pick your character class, and he hands you someone, and that's who you are. Oh, don't like it? Go find another game. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and it, work, it works out really well. It's a little more work up front from him, but it's not so bad, especially because he can reuse characters that were in a, were in a farm, former game, and, you know, we're not playing that anymore, you know, or whatever. So it's fun. That's the Not nice really. thing is when you get to GM and you get to recycle it, you know, so it's like, hey, I've got this in my folder. I put work into this. I'm finally getting to break right, it Right, and I've still got it. Yeah. And I've still got it. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So I uh, I really like that. But, you know, like I said, I, w- I would leap into any role-play game I could, but it would require that somebody had, it was a really fast makeup or it was a really fast, game makeup. Yeah, because character building is just one of the longest things, especially like with our group, we're all adults who work, we have 9 to 5s, 
So uh -huh. it's when we schedule gaming, we have to break out the planners and make sure everybody's schedule matches up for a four-hour window. And yeah, I mean, there, it's, it's we wanna, hard We want to get hell. running immediately. It's hard as hell, you know? So, um, so yeah, I'm not in any kind of rush <laughs> whatsoever to, uh, to do that. So, you know, it is, it is what it is. So, uh, um, but yeah, so if anybody's got a game, you know, well, anyway, <laughs> if anybody wants to run a game, my husband's a great DM, but I come along in the package. Hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> Okay, so Jeannie, it has been amazing having, having this chance to sit down and chat with you, you know, at Same not being here, a convention for always. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for being on, and like I said, definitely uh, after the next book comes out, we're definitely going to have to get you back on the podcast. Awesome. I cannot wait. Really looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to D&D Journey of the 5th Edition, a member of the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And remember, be careful out there. There be dragons about.